everyone. I'm Father Alex Andahar. And I am uh, the Reverend David Marshall, some call Father. Exactly. And well, I think a couple people call you Father. Uh, they do. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is a bridge between where we are bridging uh, our knowledge of the gospel. And we're also uh, bridging now through this Easter season. And we are most certainly bridging ourselves towards hopefully the season of Pentecost. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. And we're using a, a brand new format. Yeah. So this is a format. Maybe it'll look a little bit better when we record video. And uh, always remember to leave a comment in the comment section and uh, subscribe because that's the way we're going to grow and get the word out uh, yep. about this podcast. And more importantly, get the gospel out there. Amen. That's right. Uh, we've had several shout outs. So, um, by the way, uh, um, with Elaine, I told her, oh, she watched what I showed. Anyway, she was really touched. Uh, and then Linda says hello, and she's still your biggest fan. So, And uh, your mom's watching, my mom's watching. So, you know, that's good. Yeah, five views right there. We do, we do. Yes. Now, this week, Father, um, we have a text that you want to use. It doesn't necessarily appear in the lectionary, but it's very adjacent to the reading from Acts this week. And so right. you're going to be including it in there. And... It's one of my favorite stories, um, so I think I'd really like to do it. Good, because um, you said it's a bridge with the gospel, and I almost threw in, technically this is from the book of Acts, which is the fifth book, which is not a part of the gospels, but it's written by uh, Luke. Right. Um, Luke, who wrote the other Luke gospel. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, do you know which one went first? Do you no, know which one he wrote first? I have no idea. I wonder. I Part of me thinks he wrote Acts first and then the gospel, but that's just the, the radicalness of me. Um, so I have a book back here, uh, this, it's called the Revised Common Lectionary, and this is, uh, these are all the readings that we do on Sunday, and if you look closely, it says Episcopal Edition, um, and in the back, it shows you um, all the things that we need to know, and so uh, these are all of the passages that will be read, um, and so if you look at Luke's, you have, uh, then you have Acts, you have all those books. That if you want to know, like for John 3.16, when that's going to show up on Sunday, you just go to the back and it tells you when. Uh, the reading that I'm about to read to you uh, appears every year in our lectionary, but it appears on Wednesday of Holy Week. Right. Right? I'm sorry, Wednesday and Easter week, not Holy Week. This is the week that Wednesday follows. Wednesday week, the week after Holy Week, yeah. Right. Um, and so if you had a Wednesday service on that particular Easter you would get this passage, which means for most of the folks, if not all of the folks who watch us, you will never hear this read in church. And I think it is really important. One thing that Linda pointed out was the gospel lesson from last week um, about the road to Emmaus. She said it's about her favorite because it incorporates, in her words, everything you need to know about salvation. It's all there, right? Uh, they're walking, Jesus is there, the breaking of the bread, the sharing of the story. And I'm like, Linda, that is such a fantastic uh, way of putting it, just like it condenses yeah, all right. of Luke's gospel. This is what happens after that story. So this is where it picks up. And um, so for the church that I, uh, I go to on Sunday, All Angels, we are adding this on to the reading that the first reading is from the book of Acts. It's the end of chapter two. And it talks about that God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. All the believers are united and they shared everything. 
They would sell property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them, otherwise known as the poor. And every day they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. And the Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. And then it just begins with chapter 3. Peter and John were going up to the temple at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And so Luke is telling you, God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. And now he's going to prove it. Right. Now he's going to share a story with us about what they did. And so it begins, Peter and John were going up to the temple at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, which is the established prayer time. Um, Peter and John are Jewish. This is their ritual. They go to the temple at 3 in the afternoon to pray. And if this sounds an awful lot like the people you've seen in the Islamic tradition, yes, it is uh, a part of that prayer time. And so they believe in Jesus, this movement is starting, but they're Jewish, and so they're following the pattern. And so uh, Luke continues, Meanwhile, a, a man crippled since birth was being carried in. Every day people would place him at the temple gate, known as the beautiful gate, so he could ask for money from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he began to ask them for a gift, otherwise known as money. Peter and John stared at him. Peter said, look at us. So the man gazed at them, expecting to receive something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Then he grasped the man's right hand and raised him up. At once, the man's feet and ankles became strong. Jumping up, he began to walk around. He entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who used to sit at the temple's beautiful gate asking for money. They were filled with amazement and surprise at what had happened to him. So that's the lesson. Love it. So uh, whenever we study Luke, we need to look at a couple different factors. And one of them is the, uh, the idea that Luke is telling us a story that has been passed to him. So Luke wasn't there, but somebody told him the story and it only appears in, in Acts. But it, it confirms what he'd been saying about the wonders and signs that God had been doing. So, the, so when we have Luke, we have a three-sided pyramid. So the first side is it literally happened, that he's reporting a story that was reported. You turn the pyramid one side. He's talking about a spiritual story. So if we can talk about spiritual metaphorics, um, that this is a man who couldn't walk and he couldn't get into the temple, but because of Peter reaching his hand, uh, which we would call ordination, right? Peter reaching down, grabbing, pulling, lifting, that he was then able to do those verbs, which is walking, leaping, praising. And so spiritually speaking, this is Peter reaching out to all of us with not with silver and gold, but with what he has in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And that those um, who cannot walk, leap and praise and uh, walk around in our spiritual life, you know, that we, we praise him that way. Uh, the third way, Alex, did you want to jump in or did you want me to give? No, no, the, I wanna, don't, don't leave me in suspense. I want to know. The, all right. the third pyramid, um, it's always social or political. And so that there is the commentary about the Roman Empire wants to keep people down, 
and that the spirit or the church, the way, is the one that lifts everybody. That this man at the gate, the gate's named, he's not. I mean, take that, right? Um, that, that Peter takes the unnamed, the forgotten, the downtrodden, the one that the empire just assumed crush and roll over the top of. And with that guy, uh, that guy leapt, walked, and praised and brought many um, to the way. And so it's this whole sense of taking um, that which was uh, thrown down and raising up, those things that were discarded or being brought and made new, that, uh, you know, that whole sense of Luke's idea of that this, the whole world is turning upside down right now. Um, that this is that story does those three-sided uh, pyramid things. Now, I, I have talked a whole bunch, my brother, so I'm going to ask <laughs> you to say something now. So, so um, first of all, I think you give some really good analysis there. And, and I think um, what I want to add is a sense of what's being emulated. Um, how many times when we read stories about Jesus performing a healing, do we see kind of this pattern? Jesus is walking along somewhere. There are obviously a lot of people who are poor, who are in need, who are broken, many physically and emotionally broken, psychologically broken. Um, in this case, like many times, Jesus encounters a person who is lame, cannot walk, or is blind, something like that. Mm -hmm. And the person wants something. Now, sometimes the person Jesus encounters wants just some help, right? Other times, <laughs> Jesus will actually say, what can I do for you? Right. What do you want me to do for you? Which is always my favorite question. And what Jesus provides for them is the healing. Mm -hmm. Now, when I think about this particular reading from Acts, there's two things that kind of jump out. The first is, is that the early disciples really didn't have any money. So gold and silver, I, I don't have any to give you. Right. 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 But they do have a name. And so the analogy that I make is if you've ever gone to kind of like a, a restaurant or you've gone to a business and you know the owner or you kind of know a little inside work there and you say, let me just drop this name here and maybe mm -hmm. I'll get a better table or maybe I'll get better service or something free because mm -hmm. that name opens the door for you. In this case, Jesus's name has spiritual and physical power. And that's why it's so important that Jesus has a name. Um, so when they say we're doing this in Jesus's name yep. or in Jesus's name, get up and walk, they're acknowledging it's not them who is doing this. Peter's name does not have power. Nope. Right? John's name does not have power. It's Jesus's name that has power because he is God and because he has the authority given to him. So that's one of the things that I really like about this is that in the early movement of the church, they're really recognizing just how powerful even Jesus's name is. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll hear later on, you know, it's like there is no other name under heaven or under or on earth or under the earth that has this power. Yep. Uh, so the reason I like this, this story is just going back to that, is that we're seeing a continuation of Jesus's ministry. Um, I think one of the things we have to remember is that Jesus never intended for the ministry that he was doing to end with him. No, no. It, it was always no. a continuation. Yes. There are times when I will be trying to help somebody. There's somebody who will come to the church. And sometimes I tell them, you know, gold and silver, I don't have very much of. Um, and I've never, you know, 
use Jesus' name to make somebody walk or, or be healed. Um, but what I tell them is, is you know, in Jesus' name, I offer compassion and love and care and fellowship um, or forgiveness, you know, because I can forgive in Jesus' name through the ministry of the church. Right. Um, so that's kind of sometimes how I feel when I'm conducting, you know, the ministry in the parish. Right. You have healed in Jesus' name, though, because um, the, the prayer form that we use, the part of the Episcopal Church, the Anglican uh, form of prayer, is that you first name God, you then say what God has done, then you give your petition, and then you end it with the name of Jesus. Right. Um, that that is our format. Now, we say, um, in the power of the Holy Spirit, one God, for, but Jesus' name is in front of, uh, of that part, because we pray in Jesus' name. And so, for the people, Alex, that you have healed, and, and not just physically, but the ones that have been healed uh, emotionally, uh, spiritually, and all the rest, whenever you pray, and you end in the name of Jesus, we pray, amen, uh, that, is, uh, that is directly back to Acts 3, about, um, I'm going to give you what I have, and what I have is the most precious name in the universe, the, thing, the name that all things in heaven, on earth, and under the earth must bow and obey. Uh, that I am going to give that to you. Um, so that's um, so we do that. I mean, that's part of our, our prayer form. And if you've ever wondered why we pray that way, uh, now you know. There's the answer. Um, and the other thing I would like to point out is that you and I have lived through a highly individualistic period of American Christianity that in the middle to the late part of the 20th century, I don't know what happened, but Christianity became very personal, like it's between me and God. And so people would go to church for themselves, for their salvation, for their sins, right? That they would go into here to be saved individually. Uh, and that it became this really defined, narrow uh, strip of land between you and the cross, right? That that's, that's all that matters. Um, and <laughs> that's not how Peter and John and the red that's not how they envisioned it that they envisioned sins being done by all the people and that Jesus forgiving the sins of all the people that by going to temple by going to worship by praying it's a communal um, outward expansive event it's not individual or personal and so um, so in the 20th century we would see Peter and John uh, walking to the temple, walking to whatever church it was stepping over people who need help and like forget you I'm here for myself uh, I'm here to go to church, and that's not um, what God calls us to do, that God is calling us to share that we have. And I, and I think one of the things that we should probably kind of look at in that perspective is because so many people have, um, have maybe fallen into that, or that's what they were brought up on or, or brought into in terms of the life of the church, that one of the things we So, could, Alex, you have frozen. I, hey. can, I can see you perfectly. So All right. Uh, let's keep you going. You froze. All right. Um, so what I would say is that because um, many people have been brought in in that way in the life of the church, um, mm -hmm. I find many people to be lonely in their practice of, of yeah. faith. Right, um, right. And so one of the things that we can be doing um, in, this, in this way of, of uh, affirming people's faith and forming them is to do it in community. Mm -hmm. uh, and so now is actually a wonderful season in the life of the church after the celebration of Easter on April 9th to now be taking time throughout the rest of the year to be working through people's um, formation, getting them involved in Bible studies, getting them involved in catechesis, you know, making sure your Sunday school is, is 
up to date and, and, and working. Right. So that means it's just there's a lot of work to do. And yeah. uh, I like this notion of, of putting ourselves to that work in community. Yes. Um, at All Angels, uh, we don't have Sunday school and nurseries and that type of stuff. Our average age is 70. Um, and when we started, it was 72. So we're getting younger. Um, but the, the whole approach is that today I was in an outreach meeting um, with several of the other churches on the island and uh, with Temple Beth Israel. And that in a couple of days from now, uh, there's a group from uh, Temple Beth Israel and a group from All Angels. And we are touring uh, an outreach facility called Turning Points in Bradenton to find out um, what we can do as a combined um, house of prayers to help others. And it is, um, that's how we are gearing up um, to help and to serve that um, that we're doing that, um, that we can reach out and concern and help for others. Well, I think then what we just need to be doing is talking about it, modeling it, and then making sure that people are getting involved. Exactly. Because there are many, many ways. There may have been a gate called beautiful, but there are many, many gates uh, that bring us into fellowship with God. Um, that uh, Some people do it connecting through outreach, some connect through uh, Bible study, some connect through uh, worship, others connect through Altar Guild, all my Altar Guild people, amen, right? Exactly, I mean, we, we, I think no matter how you connect, connect. Yes, yes, because gold and silver we do not have, but what nope. we do have, we give to you. Amen to that. Amen. Well, Dave, it was good spending some time today. I think um, we've both got a busy schedule ahead of us this afternoon as we're being dads and being priests. So yep. um, I'm going to wish you some safe travels around the island and picking kids up and such. And uh, I'll be doing the same thing. And I'm bringing my mother-in-law and sister-in-law to the airport tonight. So, uh, you know, it's all that. And then uh, tomorrow I celebrate the anniversary of my birth. So look at that. Wonderful. I know. It's, um, now, I, now I really wish I had gold or silver to give you. Um, but, brother, what you have, you give to me. And that's your love and your uh, friendship. And I very much appreciate you and having you in my life. Thank you. Same to you, sir. And uh, we will catch everybody in the next one. Take care. Right. Thanks, guys. <laughs>